You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. about the wisdom of God, and I've been spending a lot of time that the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, talking about that you can't even begin to walk in wisdom, and I realize that in our culture, we teach things that teachers are equal, that students are equal to teachers. Children are equal to parents. That we as citizens are equal to the police. Now, we're equal in the sense that we have the same value. We're equal in the sense that that uh, God loves us the same, but we're not equal in authority. And that, that losing that in our culture, Satan wants that to be lost. He wants that to be lost because when that's lost, there's chaos. Absolute chaos. When people lose a respect for authority, there's chaos. I love this story. There's a little boy. It's a true story. A dad took his son. His son got into trains. You know, there's all these little train books when you're little. His son's like three years old, and they're reading, you know, I think I can, I think I can, you know, all the train books. And, you know, I, I don't know what some of the name. What's that name of that, that one train, that one? Thomas, Thomas. And so we had all those books, and this kid's fascinated. He, gets, he reads about Thomas, and he reads about all the trains, and he, he man, he's, he's fascinated. So at three, his dad takes him to, uh, to a train station. And he's watching from a distance some of the trains get hooked up. And it's really, he's just, he's just standing there. He's not running around. He's just kind of standing there watching. And, and the dad's just watching him. And they're standing on a platform because they're going to get on the train in a minute. And he's watching all this. And he's seeing the trains. And the trains are a little bit of, uh, away from him. So he can't really tell how big they are. But he's just, he's just staring. He's fascinated. He's having fun. And then all of a sudden the trains, you know, get on the track and loop around and come towards the, the platform. And as it comes in and gets closer to him, he realizes how massive and how powerful the train is. Up until that point, it was little Thomas. Choo-choo. He thought it was all cute. And when it was a distance away, he thought, man, that's kind of cool. That's cool. And, but when, he, when it came up on him, and he's three years old, and it, it looks so massive and so powerful, he gets scared and runs to his dad, and his dad has to pick him up. He clings to his leg, has to pick him up, and he buries his head in his chest. His dad's like, oh, no, man, what have I done? One of those moments as a parent, you think you're helping your child, and the child's scared to death, right? One of our kids never liked anybody with a mask, and Man, we, we were at uh, Disney World with the Taylors, and, and we were at Disney World, and man, I, I'm like, Tuck, come over here and meet Tigger. And he, I got him near, and he just got, his eyes got about that big around, and he freaked out. Like, I don't want to see Tigger. In a, he's got, someone's got a mask. It's crazy, you know? And he just freaked out. And so, you know, that's one of those moments like, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't have tried to encourage him to do that. But, uh, but that's what happened with his dad and this kid. Finally, they, they, they're going to board, and he goes, like, son, we're, we're going to get on the train. Is that okay? And his son kind of unburies his head and turns around and looks, and he's like, okay. And they get on the train, and then, and then they take that train ride, and after a while he loosens up, and the wonder and the excitement of it all, he could see kind of come back on him. But the whole time, there's this healthy, healthy reverence and respect for how powerful, how awesome 
and incredible that train is. And guys, that's how God wants us to be. You know, I had no doubt my parents loved me. We didn't say it a lot to each other, but I had no doubt they loved me. But I'm going to tell you, there was a sound in my house that I had no doubt I was loved, but I also had no doubt I could be in trouble when my dad would unhook his belt. And I'd hear this, like a, like a racetrack coming around his way. I mean, man, I'd hear that sound, and it was so recognizable. Man, I tell you, as much as I knew I was loved, I was frozen in my tracks. Like, I hope that's not for me. Surely I can tell all my brothers about something they did worse than I did if it is for me. I get them spanked uh, or get someone spanked with me. But, uh, but yeah, man, there was a reverence. There was a fear. There was a respect to my father. Even though I know he loved me, man, there was a, you know, when, I, when we did something wrong, and, you know, he had every right to discipline me. And see, what's happened in our culture is we've lost, we've lost that. You know, we know God loves us. If you don't, man, I want you to know he loves you, and he's proven that he loved you by dying for you. And he proved who he was by being raised from the dead. He's, he's the Lord Jesus Christ that died for you and loves you. But the love part doesn't seem to be the part that people grasp, don't grasp. The part they don't grasp is, is to walk in any fear of God. They don't respect him. That train is powerful, and everybody knows it. I'm not going to step in front of a train. No one with any sense would because it's so powerful. It's going it's to wipe you out. But that trains nothing compared to the power of Almighty God. And I'm in awe and fascinated by trains and by aircraft. And I mean, just like huge boats that weigh tons of weight and float on the water still freak me out. And I've read on how they work that, but it still blows my mind that you can put something that heavy. I mean, I get in water, I sink to the bottom. They put a big boat on the water, and it stays on top. I'm like, there's something wrong with this. And so, uh, but, yeah, man, it, those things fascinate me. And I'm in awe when I walk the state. I was on the mountains and the beauty and the water and the, I mean, just is incredible. The deserts, the, the, the man, it just, it's, I'm fascinated by all that. I'm in awe of it. But what I see in all that is the, is the almighty power of God. And, and there's a respect and a reverence that needs to come over us for that. And that fear of God, that reverence of God is what, what begins our journey with him to understand that what he says is true and that we start taking it seriously. And, and we have to emulate that in our families. My, I would tell my, my kids, I told them, you're not equal to mom and I. You're equal in that we love each other, but it, you're not equal in authority in our home. And, and some people nowadays, they treat their kids like they have as much authority as the parent. Like, what do you think? And what do you, and there's times you can ask them what they think and what they want to do and that kind of stuff. But man, not when it comes to values and what you're going to actually accomplish in your home and that day. I mean, you're, you're, you're doing that. You're crippling that child because they're not, they're going to think that their boss and them have like, hey, boss, I got a better idea. Let's, how about we do this? And, you know, if the boss didn't ask, you might want to just do what the boss says. Because employees and bosses aren't equal either, not in authority. They're equal in value. 
they're equal in how God loves them, but they're, they're not equal in authority. And, and we've, we can lose a sense of, of respect for authority very quickly. I've watched this over the years with our police officers that, that when I was a kid, you popped off to a police officer, man, he'll punch you right in the mouth. I'm serious. There was no, there was no popping off. They take you down, rough you up, throw you against a wall, throw you on the ground. You don't pop off. You show some respect for that badge. It, it, it wasn't that we were always showing respect for the person that had the badge. We just respected the badge. The person might not be respectable, but it was the office in which they held that. My, my parents would always tell you, you're going to respect that teacher. You respect that authority. They, they, might not have, they might not be a person of value, but you're going to respect the office. You don't have to always respect the person, but you're going to show some respect. You're going to respect your elders. You're going to respect this. You're going to respect that. And It was constantly drilled in us that we weren't to not, we're not going to conduct ourselves in a way that's disrespectful to authority. Now, we didn't always listen, but our general view of that was we're going to start off like that, respecting authority. And, and the reason that it's so important that we teach each other and teach our children and teach the next generations, because when they lose respect for authority in the natural, it's like they automatically lose respect for authority in heaven. And it will cost this generation if they continue to think that they're equal in authority to everybody, that's all so casual, like, hey, man, what's up? And I have people that I call by their titles that have told me, man, don't call me by my title, man. Just call me Tommy. I'm like, that ain't happening. That's not happening. I call people by their titles. I, I try to be respectful of people's titles and authority. And, and we should all be. And that's how we teach this, our, our generations uh, uh, around us, our children and our children's children. That's how we teach them to be respectful to authority. And ultimately, the respect for authority placed around us, it leads to, leads to um, respecting God. We're learning how to respect the authority that God has and to understand that he has a right to correct us. He has a right to correct us. And that when he corrects, it's, it's always in love. It's always for our best interest, but it doesn't always feel like it. And so there has to be this balance between love, between love and the fear of God. There has to be a balance. Now, I love that with the, not just with the love of God, but also with the fear of God comes great blessings. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, we read about Abraham last Wednesday. And, and we talked about him, you know, the, the equivalent to him and Isaac. Can we put that up there? Genesis uh, twenty-two, twelve, 12. And, and we talked about, <laughs> I don't think that's Genesis twenty-two, twelve. 12. And so we talked about the equivalent between him sacrificing Isaac and Jesus being sacrificed. It was on, the, they, they believed, the same hill, the same place right outside of Jerusalem. Uh, Isaac carried wood. Jesus carried wood. Je Jesus was a sacrifice. Isaac was going to be a sacrifice. And we talked about how that all applies. But after all they went through all that, it says in Genesis 12, and he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you 
Fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. We, we also noted that he said, your son, your only son. And he was looking for a man that was willing to do that, uh, a son of promise. Jesus was the, the promised Messiah. Isaac was the promised son in which the nation of Israel would be birthed and that our Messiah would come through. So it's two sons of promise, one that is is not going to be perfect, the other one that is going to be perfect. But God had to find a man that was willing to do that because what you sow is what you reap, and we have a covenant. That means what we have, we have to be willing to give to him, and what he has, he has to be willing to give it us. And he had to find a man willing to give his son, his only son. As a sacrifice. Now we know the difference is Isaac didn't get sacrificed and Jesus did. Because with God it's never equal. He always does more than we'll ever think about doing. And so anyway, he says that to him. Next verse. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thick in its horns. Uh, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Next verse. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That, many people believe, that is the same place that Jesus was sacrificed. So that prophecy, that word, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided, is a prophecy uh, of not only what happened with Isaac, something that actually happened, but a prophecy for the future, what Jesus was going to do. Next verse. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. Next. And said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Next verse. Blessing, I will bless you. So here's where we get, we're blessed to be a blessing because God said, I'll bless you to be a blessing. In, in blessing, I will, I will bless you. And then he talks about how he's going to bless all the nations uh, of the earth through him. He said, and I'll multiply, and multiply, I will multiply your descendants of the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. So he said, listen, in blessing I will bless you. And he said, not only will I bless you, but I'm going to bless your descendants. Bless your children. So out of the fear of the Lord and the obedience of that comes all these blessings. Next verse. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be Blessed. And so here he says, not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to bless your seed. And then out of your seed, because I blessed you and your children, you, they're going to be a blessing. I blessed you to be a blessing to all the nations. And it has. That, that came to pass because you have obeyed my voice. You know, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, it causes you to want to obey him. You know, there's two things uh, that, that happened in my life that the reason I would obey my parents, one was out of love, I didn't want to hurt them. The other one was out of fear because I didn't want punishment. Amen? That caused me, both of those things caused me to obey. And there's a balance in, in our relationship with God because he's a father that he wants to balance that too, that if you won't obey out of love, maybe you'll obey out of fear. Or if you won't obey out of fear, maybe you'll obey out of love. But there's got to be a balance in that, that we have a, we, we have a balance. Because what happens, what happens when you, 
when you love God, a lot of times you'll obey out of that love, but sometimes you don't feel like doing what he's asking you to do, and, or you don't feel loved or feel like loving, and so some, that's when the fear of God kicks in, and you just do it because, hey, listen, I fear God enough to do it. Other times, man, it's not, it's not fear that motivates you. It's not fear of him judging you. It's just your love to please him. And those, that's the same thing with children. It's the same thing in marriage, right? All men fear their wives. Not physically most of the time, but don't want to be in trouble. We're all like five-year-old boys like that still, no matter how old we are. So, you know, but there's a fear, and wives are the same way towards their husband. They don't want their husbands to be mad at them and, and that type of thing. And so, man, sometimes out of respect and sometimes out of love, we obey and we do what is right. And we've lost that balance that's why I've spent so much time talking about this. Because, man, if you don't stand in, if you're not that like that little boy that you stand in awe of the all-powerful, almighty God, man, you're going to lose something. You're going to think sometimes his love gives you permission to do what you want, act how you want, think how you want. And, and you'll color outside the lines many times, and it will cost you and your family. And God doesn't want to. He's a good father. And my father had to put the, the fear of him in us in order, to hold, in order to hold us in check at times when the love, you know, wasn't felt or wasn't appreciated. You know, sometimes we can take, I, I don't know, I've had this happen to me many times. I've seen it happen to people a lot nicer than me that some people take people's kindness as weakness. And I think that's what's happened in our culture. They've taken God's love and his kindness as weakness. Like, well, okay, God, God's cool. I can do whatever I want to. He loves me. Man, there's so many warnings in the Bible to not do that. And we have to, we have to welcome the fear of God. I said, we need to welcome it. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. The book of Philippians chapter 2. This is powerful because this is New Testament. A lot of people think, well, the fear of God's in the Old Testament. Well, no, it's not. In Philippians chapter 2, um, Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he's talking about overcoming, uh, uh, you know, Paul's in prison. He's in, actually, he's in a hole. He's in a hole in the ground they called prison. They lowered him down in there. Um, this is what history says. And it actually functioned as not only the prison, but as the sewer system. For the city. So he's in a horrible place. And he's suffering not because he did something wrong or beat somebody up or did. No, he's suffering because he was preaching Jesus. That's it. He's suffering for the cause of Christ. And he's got such a great attitude down in this prison. It kind of, it kind of blow your mind, you know, how great an attitude he, he has. One time he yells up to him and says, write this down. I rejoice. And again, I say, I rejoice. I mean, he's got this spirit of faith about him and this spirit of joy about him that he knows he's suffering for the cause of Christ and he's, he's not good with it. Otherwise, he doesn't want to be in a sewer, in a prison. But if that's what he has to do for Jesus to spread the gospel, he's willing to do it. And so he's, he's, correct, he's telling them, listen, when you suffer, you know, be humble. Jesus was humble when he suffered. Just take it with humility and, and overcome it and be a servant. He's teaching them all this stuff. And then he says this, <clears throat> 
My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. Another translation of this verse says, which uh, uh, work out your salvation through fear and trembling. Through fear and trembling. Being in awe, such awe, like that little boy with the train, you're, you're in such awe of God that you tremble in his presence. He didn't say get your salvation through the fear and trouble. He said work out your salvation. So part of working out our life after we've received Jesus Christ as the Lord, you know, we receive his love. We know he loves us, and that's why I received him, because I knew he'd forgive me of my sins. I wanted forgiveness. I wanted to go to heaven, and I received his love. But I've worked out a large part of my salvation because I, I stand in awe of God. You know, so he said, work out your, your salvation through fear and trembling. You know, standing in awe, and it should cause us to tremble in his presence. Just like that little boy started probably shaking, like getting, like, oh my gosh, this train is bigger and more powerful than I ever thought, and he got in awe of it. And he still got on the train with his daddy, he wasn't that afraid. And he, but he had, a, he had a different awe and a different wonder and a different respect. Not only did he love trains, but he had a different respect for trains. And not only do we love God, but we need to have this reverent Fear of God, a respect. I loved my dad. I knew my dad loved me, but I had a respect for him. You didn't play around in this house. No one did. And there was a respect there, just a respect. And, and that's how we need to respect and stand in awe of God. And if you don't, it'll cost you. You'll give yourself permission to do a lot of things that you shouldn't give yourself permission to do. And it will cost you and it will cost your family. It always grieves my heart when people forsake God and, and pursue sin, choose sin over God and doing what's right. Because, and then they tell me how much they love their children without any repentance. And I'm like, you don't love your kids. I want to tell them, every one of them, you don't love your kids. If you loved your kids, you'd do what's right. Don't tell me how much you love them and how much you care for them while you're breaking mama and daddy's heart. While you're breaking their mama's heart or their daddy's heart. Don't tell me how much you love your children. Don't tell me how much they want you to be happy. No, they want you to do what's right. They want you to do what's right. That's what they want you to do. They want to be able to respect you. Children want to respect their parents. And so it always grieves my heart when people look at me and say, well, I, I love them enough to let them go. I love them enough to, I want them to be happy. I just want to be happy. I know they want me. And man, just, just do stuff that's a total violation of the word of God. I'm like, are you kidding me? Jesus said, if you say you love me, but you don't obey me, you're a liar. God's word says, the fear of God brings obedience. So whether you fear him or love him, and you should both, it all equals the same thing. Obeying his word. Regardless of how you feel, 
Regardless of what you want or your flesh wants, you obey his word and you trust. This is, this is the trust. Abraham trusted God. The fear of God makes me want to, the awe of God makes me trust him. You know, we have this thing that you can either, in fear, you can run, you, people either fight or flight, right? But that's the fear that comes from evil. The fear and respect and reverence of God, it does the same thing to people. But they don't fight. They either run closer to God or they run away from God. Because they don't want to be confronted. They don't want to see the truth. The fear of God causes me to draw closer to God. And the love of God causes me to draw closer to God. Both. And out of both of those being in a right balance in my heart and mind and in your heart and mind, we should be obedient. Now, we're not going to be perfect. But man, it should cause us to, even when we're not obedient, to, to repent quickly and get it right and run to him and not away from him. This is called real Christianity. It's, it's not play Christianity. It's real Christianity. And when I got saved, I'm like, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I was really in the world, and I was all about it. Now I'm going to be all about you. Now, you know, I, I, wanna, I was good at partying. I want to be a good Christian. And so he says this, uh, which brings you trembling into his presence. God will continually revitalize you and planting within you the passion to do what pleases him. He's saying the fear of God, standing in awe of God, when we stand in awe of him, he'll continually revitalize and continually plant inside of us a passion, a passion to do what's right, that what, what pleases him. What pleases him. And so our fear and love of God should be in, a, in this balance that causes us to pursue him continually and to want to obey him. To, to have a, a tremendous desire to obey him. Go with me to John 14. I'm going to read you the scripture. I quoted part of it. I quoted part of it, but I'm going to read you more of it. John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. Because I'm talking about a balance. Actually, let's read verse 22. Then one of the disciples named Judas, not Judas Scarce, said, Lord, why is it you will only reveal your identity to us and not to everyone? Jesus replied, loving me. Everybody say, loving him. He said, loving me empowers you to obey my word. So he just said earlier that the fear of God empowers you. It empowers him to pour into you and pour into you so you are pleasing to him to obey him. Now he's saying my love does the same thing. It also empowers you to obey me. And so we need both. We, need, we absolutely need both. So he goes on to say, And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. But those who don't love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. I am telling you, you this, while I am still with you. He's saying, listen, man, if you love me, you obey me. He's just saying, if you love me, you obey me. 
And then, then I hear people say, well, I fear God and love God, but I'm going to disobey. I'm going to blatantly, openly just disobey and keep disobeying, and I'm, I don't care what God says. Listen, that's an impossibility for you to say you love God or fear God and continually live in sin and continually just, just blatantly, aggressively, rebelliously disobey. Now, there's a difference, man, when you're walking out a process of overcoming sin in your life and you fall, but you get up and you run to him. You say, God, forgive me. That's not rebellion. But when you, when you openly say, hey, I'm going to go commit this sin, and I don't care what they think, you think, I don't care what God thinks. I'm going to do this no matter what anybody thinks. Guys, that is outright open rebellion to God, and they have lost their fear or love of God. And let me tell you what happens to you. You can become, you can get a seared heart. The Bible uses the word seared because if you take a, we've all seen movies where they don't have a doctor and someone's bleeding and they stick something in the fire and burn it, you know, and sear it, right? It closes the wound and it makes it harder, right? And so what happens is the, the times that you say, I don't fear God, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I don't love God, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't love or fear Him. I'm going to do my thing. Each time you act in that, that, with that spirit of rebellion, what happens is the Bible says spiritually inside of you, there's a sear. That you're hardening and hardening your heart. The Bible says about Pharaoh that God hardened his heart. But before God hardened his heart, Pharaoh had already seared it. And God's like, if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to give you. It didn't start off like that. God wanted to save the Egyptian people. And so God sent Moses and said, hey, man, let my people go. And he, he initially agreed. Then after the first plague, he agreed again. But every time he would re, he'd relent, he'd go, oh, no, I'm not, I said I'd let him go. I'm not going to let him go. Man, it's God's like, okay, if that's what you want, I'm going to harden it the whole rest of the way. That's what you want, Pharaoh? Okay. Then his heart got so seared that he pronounced the, the, the curse on his own children and his firstborn son and every firstborn son in Egypt died because of Pharaoh's own words. That's what happens when you continue to sear and say, man, I know I'm in sin, but I don't care. I'm going to keep living with it. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm just going to keep on doing it, and I'm going to keep on doing it. It's And eventually, you, you get so hard that the voice of the Holy Spirit, you won't even hear it anymore. You won't even hear His voice. You'll sear your own heart. And you'll just give in to it. That's not what God wants for any of us. I said, that's not what God wants for any of us. Man, he wants to bless us. He wants to pour out his love on us. He, he said, I, I lavishly love you. I, I want to lavish you with blessings. I want to help you. I want to I give you wisdom. I want to direct your path. I, I want to, man, there's nothing that he has that he will not give. Or that he has already promised it. He said all of his promises are yes. He's like, I already promised. Yes, I want to give it. Yes. But I ask you to surrender and submit to my authority. 
Because that's when I really know I'm the Lord of your life. When you've submitted. When you've surrendered. Said, man, I, I surrender to your authority. You're the Lord. I'm not. I'm submitted, Lord. Whether I feel like it or not, I want to do what you want me to do. I'm not, I'm not basing my relationship with you on feelings. If I can do that for a human being, if I can do that for money, that I don't feel like going to work, but I go to work anyway, well, then I can do that for you, Lord, because I respect you more than I respect my boss or my employer or my money. But that's when you're walking in awe of God. And you know, guys, that the fear of God and the awe of God, I mean, it doesn't cause me to, to be, like, afraid of Him. It, it causes me to tremble because he's so incredibly huge. He's so incredibly massive. I mean, I'm going to talk about time tomorrow at a service I'm doing for a young man. And one of the things that came to me is that, that I've always been fascinated by is that outer space, that God created the natural to, be, to, to say something about his character. So that's why it's all so beautiful. The ocean, the, the mountains, or the, the sky, I was just, I just look at the blue sky, I'm like, this is so cool. They show all those planets and all these sci-fi movies, they got different color skies. I think blue is the perfect color. What a beautiful sky. And so I just think it's incredible, and, and I'm standing in awe, and I used to look out into outer space, and I'm thinking, how is that, where does that end? Like, is there an end to space? And then if there is like a wall around it, what's on the other side? More space? I mean, it just kind of blows my mind, the infinity of it, the eternity of it. And it's speaking of his power. It's speaking of his majesty. It's speaking that he's an infinite, eternal being that has never had an, a beginning and never had an end. And he's speaking it through outer space. And I stand in awe of that, that they can't count the galaxies. And they can't count all the stars in the galaxies, let alone the planets, and let alone, the, I mean, it's just nuts. And I stand in awe, and that's what, when I, when I look at that, it causes me to, I, you know, there's just times, I, I know some of you probably do the same thing, I, I'm just standing outside, and I just bow my head in, in awe, like, man, I, I, I don't even, I can't even comprehend you. And what's crazy, God, is that, you know my name. You know my name. You know, you know my name. And you, you've dug deep inside of me. You know everything about me. Wow. That's incredibly cool to me. That's just nuts. And not just me, all the rest of the people. He knows everybody's name. And he just promised right there, he said, he said, if, if you love me and obey me, we'll dig deep. We'll, we'll have this deep relationship. Man, I, I want a deep relationship with God. I need things from him. I do. I, I need him to help me. I need him to speak to me. I need him to direct me. I need him to help my family. I need him to help your family. I need him to comfort. I need him to heal. I need him to deliver. I, I need God to save us. I need God to give us wisdom. I, I need God in every aspect, and so do you. We all do. Church family, this is my last sermon on this topic, but if you ever want to walk in the wisdom of God, you got to look around. I know some people don't look around, and, and they're not in awe. 
But I want you to look around and look. We had that double rainbow the other day that was so beautiful. I'm still in awe of that. Like, uh, that's just, you know, that's just a rainbow. No, it's not. It's crazy cool. And I get these pictures of sunsets and sunrises that people send me, and I see them myself, and I mean, just the universe, and go outside, and if the sky's clear, just look at the stars, and think about how far away that is, and what that represents, and we're in the Milky Way galaxy on one of the tails, on one of the spirals, and we're in the perfect place to look at the rest of the universe, and I mean, it's just crazy just even where Earth is located. And we're on this ball, spinning around the sun, Going like this and going like this at the same time, and we're still just cool, man. We're just right, right here breathing, and we're not flying around the earth. And I mean, it's just nuts. That's our God. And I want you to, I want to encourage you to, thank you, Father. I want to encourage you to. To look around and see the beauty and the awe and, and walk in some reverence. And teach, teach your children to walk in reverence. Teach them to respect. Teach them to see the beauty. Teach them. My kids used to, every time I'd say, man, look at this. I'd pull over, look at this sunset. And they're like, oh, Dad, just get us home. You know, now they, they say stuff to me like, Dad, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, they got it. I bugged the heck. I was, you know, the, it was like a dumb dad joke to him. I'm like, dad, you know, stop, you know. And, and, but I didn't. And, and now they're seeing what I saw, the beauty of it. And, and guys, we got to teach that to each other, to our children, to our people. Amen. Listen, every head bowed and I closed and here and online, if you want to just close your eyes, that's cool. And I just, I just want to tell you, man, that God is awesome. You might ask, well, why is there all this evil then? Why is there all this ugliness? Well, we, I see the ugliness too. Well, that's because we as people cooperate with Satan. That's where all the ugliness came from, not from God. Why does he allow it? Because he allows us to make choices. Why do you allow my parents to choose to do this and do that? Because he allowed your parents to, to have children and allowed your parents to have make choices. And you don't have to be the result of those choices if you don't want to. Because God can turn it around for generations in your family. By saving your life, healing your life. No evil came from God. No evil. But he'll certainly judge it. He'll judge the evil. He'll judge people that, that choose the evil over the good, to choose Satan over him. But he doesn't want to. He sent his son Jesus to die for us because he doesn't want, he wants to judge you not guilty, innocent. But you have a choice to make tonight, whether online or here. You have a choice to make. Who will you serve? Joshua said, man, choose ye this day. Blessing or cursing, life or death. He said, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord.
You get to choose. What will you choose? Heaven or hell? A life worth having because God gives it to you. Jesus, the Lord, gives you a life through the Holy Spirit and worth giving away or a life that you just to take her. You get to choose. So whether online or in this room, and before we leave, we want to pray with you. If you've never prayed, this is your moment and this is your time. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. Right here, right now, Jesus Christ, the Lord, wants to save your life. He wants to save you from a lifetime enslaved to sin. Doesn't mean you won't sin, you just won't be a slave to it. There's a difference. And he wants to free you from an eternity in hell and give you an eternity in a place called heaven forever. He died to rescue us us from both those things. So if you've never prayed, let's pray right now. Or maybe you've prayed before and you ran away from home. Maybe you've been living in rebellion. It's time to stop. Please stop. Please stop searing your heart. And ask God to forgive you for your rebellion. And get it right. He'll always give you an opportunity to get it right. So if it's your first time or your next time, you know you need to pray and get some things right. We want to pray with you. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. Here's the first one. Online, after I count to three, send us a message. And say, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Or in this room. When I count to three, just raise your hand up and say, I acknowledge before God and men, I need to get right with him right now, that I'm getting right with Jesus. He's going to be the Lord of my life. I surrender it. And so after that, the second thing I'm asking you to do is just to pray right where you're seated, right where you're at online, right where you're seated in here. So here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand and say, it's me. Thank you. 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 All of you. Thank you. Thank you. That's incredible. Let's pray with all those in the room and all those online. Let's all pray together. Say this. Say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone, the creator of all the heavens and all the earth. I believe that you love us. You love me by name. And you sent your son Jesus. And he died on a cross. And he poured out his holy blood from my sinful blood. And in three days, you raised him from the dead. And you proved that you love us. And that you are the Lord Jesus. And because I believe that, I ask you to forgive me of all my disrespect, my rebellion against you. And I receive your forgiveness. And I say to you, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, all of it, because you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I receive the Holy Spirit. And I thank you now. By your word and by the Holy Spirit, 
You teach me how to love you, how to walk in awe of you, and how to obey you. To live a life serving you and those around me. Walking in your blessings and giving those to my children, my children's children, and all those around me. Until I see you in heaven, thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's praise God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.